Well, good morning. Glad that we get to start a new year together. Um, just want to uh, say a couple of things before I launch into where we're headed this morning. Um, I, I appreciated Eddie Dan and uh, Melissa Kuchmanich doing a drama on, on Christmas Eve and all of our services. And for some of you who've been missing the dramatic part that we used to have, uh, I want to let you know that Carol Stearns, our Carol Stearns, who years ago was the director of our drama ministry, is taking the lead role in something called The Audience. If you liked The Queen and all of those dramas that many of us watched over the last couple of winters, this is going to be at Company Theater, and it's kind of a, a focus on uh, the Queen dealing with her royal council, and how does that go back and forth? So if you've been missing Carol, Carol was royalty here at North River before she was royalty on the stage in Norwell. But that's going to be uh, only two weekends it's playing in February. So if you want to get out ahead and look for that on Company Theater's website, that would be a great support to Carol, um, who's still very much a part of our church. La next thought that I have is I appreciated... Dave Bailey choosing that third song that we sang, uh, More Than Enough, that God is More Than Enough. And I wanted to let you know why he chose that particular song. Uh, for the month of January, we're going to be looking at some of the more than statements in the Bible. And there are a number of them. And I wanted to focus on these more than statements because they are tremendously encouraging. And as we continue to uh, push our way through this rather discouraging time that we've been dealing with now for 21, 22 months, and we move into a new year, we need the hope and strength that comes from remembering how God is more than enough to come to our aid. And in this week, we're going to look at how God is able to provide more than all we could ask or imagine. That's an amazing statement. I want to probe what does that mean? Where does that come from? What are the limitations on a statement like that? What was the New Testament desiring to tell us that we would know and be able to move forward with confidence? So the, the, uh, that statement rises from a passage in uh, Ephesians 3.20. We're going to read Ephesians 3.14 to 21 all of which is a prayer that the Apostle Paul uh, put in his letter to the Ephesian church that was designed for that church, but also for all Christians, including us today. And that more than statement shows up in verse 20. That's what we're going to be focusing on. So here, here's the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power th through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God." Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is within us, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray for a moment. Father God, we thank you for allowing us to wake up this morning recognizing we're gathering for the first time as a church in a new year. With you, one day is the same as the next, and yet... Uh, there's something about these calendar years that give us the ability to, to refresh, to rethink, to restart, to re-envision. 
And I pray that you will use this next year with each of us individually and with all of us collectively to cause us to step forward into the mission that you've given us more boldly, with greater clarity, and with greater faith. And I pray that you will, in the process of this time, allow us to face our doubts with courage and with facts and with faith and allow us to grow in our understanding of you and in our experience of you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to live out our faith together and to learn together. And we ask that you will use all of this for good. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes the memories bring a smile, and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead, to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation, and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As the new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. What is the best that can happen? Have you ever encountered a question like that? A friend of mine from college wrote an end-of-the-year donation letter. I got many of them. I'm sure that you did too in the last few weeks. And it began with an acknowledgement that in life, and especially in the climate that we've been in, we often approach the future with the attitude of what's the worst that can happen. And when we do this, we anticipate a continuation of hard times, bad things, or a climate of doom that is awaiting us. When we do this, we cushion ourselves for the reality of letdowns and we set ourselves up to expect bad things. Instead, my friend asked this question that's been ringing in my head for the last 10 days or so, what is the best that can happen? What if we approach the new year with the attitude that God has a plan and a purpose for each of us in this next year, despite the reality of difficulties and challenges and COVID mutations? What is the best that can happen if we entered this new year acting on the belief that God is not limited by the challenges that we face within this world? What if we entered this new year acting on the hope that in the midst of the chaos, God can still do transforming work that brings out the best in us and that brings out the best in life? So I wanted the first thing that I challenge you with this year to be raising that question, what is the best that can happen this year? Today on this New Year's weekend, we're beginning a new series of of weekend messages that are tracing the way the Bible uses this phrase, more than. 
The idea for this series emerged from a conversation that Sue, my wife, and I had on a long walk a few weeks ago. She said that she had an idea that I would need to develop that's based on this phrase that she kept reading the more she was looking deeper into Scripture, into sections of the Bible that included this superlative phrase, more than. She asked if I had ever researched or studied that phrase, and the answer was, no, I haven't, of course not. But this series arose from that conversation and from my attempt to to identify several of the more than statements in the Bible. I was tremendously encouraged just going through that exercise, and I wanted to share that with you. So I want you to say two words with me. Can you say this? More than. We have a God who can do more than. That's the point that we're making for the next month. So let me say welcome to all of you who are here in the room here in, in Pembroke at North River Church. Welcome to a new year together. Welcome to a new focus and a new study that we're going to work through together this month. And welcome to all of you, regardless of how you're connecting to North River. Uh, Since March of 2020, North River has been a hybrid church. We will continue to be a hybrid church. And there are multiple ways of connecting. Whenever possible, I would love to have all of you here in the room with us in, in Pembroke at our worship center. Being present in the room allows us to connect worship and learning together with the way that we do face-to-face fellowship and the way that we grow in friendship. But there's another large section of North River that gathers online. One of the challenges of online participation is trying to gain the full picture of who we are together. Some access our services through our, our website and the church online format. Others find us by looking for us on YouTube. Others find us later in the week on Facebook Live or on Vimeo. And that means there, there are five different streams of North River Church that are all coming together at this point, even though none of us can physically see exactly how that happens. And it's larger than most of us realize. So if you're new to North River, or if you're just starting this new trend of being a part of our church in this new year, I am so glad that you're on board today. Keep taking next steps with God. Keep taking next steps of walking closer and closer in identification with the people who make up North River Church. Move from being anonymous to being known, and from being passively involved to being actively involved, and you will find that you continue to grow. Here's the big idea that I want to get across for this morning in this first message of the new year. The more we surrender to Jesus, the more God gives us the power to live lives that are more than we can ever ask or imagine. In that big idea, there are two ideas that are connected. As we surrender, He gives us power. It's His power that we live by, not by our own. But He gives us power to live lives that are more than we could ever ask and imagine. So today as we launch this new series for January, we're going to look at the first of of several of these more than statements. The first one comes from Ephesians 3.20 where the Apostle Paul writes that God is able to do more than all we ask or imagine. And so I have a question that's prompted by that statement in, in verse 20. How does God do more than all we ask or imagine? How does God do that? So let me walk you through Uh, this thought about more than we ask, three kinds of power that God gives. The Bible states that God can do more than all we can ask or imagine. Here's the verse that brings this out. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. So it's not just more than, it's immeasurably more than all we ask and imagine. According to his power that is within us, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
If God is able to do more than all we ask or imagine, we want to know about something like this, wouldn't we? The key phrase here is according to his power that is within us. So in other words, the statement about more than all we can ask or imagine is tied to this power that is within us. We have to understand the entire prayer going back to verse 14 in order to understand the kind of power that Paul has been talking about. So we're going to explore all of that as we dive back into this passage. Here's the first kind of power that God gives us. Indwelling power. Indwelling. If you're looking on the notes that we we, uh, had out at the door this morning, the word you're missing is indwelling. Verse 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Paul is beginning a prayer here in kneeling position. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul's prayer begins with a great sense of God's purpose. The kneeling posture was unusual in in that time. Most Jewish men would lift their hands up and look to the heavens when they prayed. But but this indicates a kind of uh, desperation and intensity from Paul in this particular prayer. The best translation of verse uh, verse 15 in chapter 3 probably indicates that the whole family is meaning and referring to all Jews and all non-Jews who are united to God and Christ, which was a common theme of Paul's. He was thrilled by the sense that Jewish people and non-Jewish people who believe in Jesus put down all the differences and they become one tribe, so to speak. And so that's the family that he is talking about. We are united to God. And Paul's prayer flows from God's central purpose of uniting people in God's family. Now, Paul prays for three experiences of the power of God in our lives. The first is when he prays for this indwelling power of Christ in us. Paul's first petition to God is actually a double allotment of this indwelling. First, it tells us that we are strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man or in the inner self. Then he adds to that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the Holy Spirit indwells us, and through the Holy Spirit, Christ indwells every believer. Together, they point to the fullness of God's indwelling of a Christian. Now, this may come to a surprise to many people, uh, this fuller sense of the concept of the indwelling of Christ in us. For years, Christians have been known for oversimplifying the indwelling of Christ. You know, there was a story from the days when Barney the dinosaur was really popular, when my kids were little, and a pediatrician asked a little girl who her favorite stuffed animal was, and she said, Barney. And then the pediatrician asked, well, does Barney live in your heart? And the little girl was surprised by the question, and she said, no, silly, Jesus lives in my heart, Barney's on my underwear. But theologians remind us that this indwelling of Christ is a thing of degrees. We teach the idea, the concept of of Jesus being able to live within the heart, but we rarely explain what that means. It actually is a New Testament term. It shows up right here in Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, but it's a complicated concept. I mean, there's no chamber in the heart. I remember thinking about this when I was a young kid. Okay, which chamber of the heart does Jesus live in? Is it an oracle? Is it a ventricle? Is it the right one or the left one? And that's not what it means. It's not within the heart as a physical structure. 
That is a euphemistic phrase that means that Christ somehow indwells the person of who we are in the seat of our emotions or the seat of reason. Is that the mind? Is it the heart? I don't know. In the ancient world, they called it the heart. In our day, we'd probably say it's in, it's in the mind, but that's not the point. It's not the where. It's that he indwells us as persons. How does Jesus do that? Jesus has a physical body like we do. It's through the Holy Spirit, which is not limited that way, that Jesus indwells. It means that His presence is continually with us. This starts at the moment that we declare our faith in Jesus. There's something supernatural that happens. But haven't you experienced some Christians who simply seem to have more of the fullness of Jesus in ways that you long for? I don't know about you, but I have friends that are just who are so filled with Jesus that I am put to shame. And when I walk away from them, I think, I want to be more like her. I want to be more like him. There's something about the presence of Jesus in this person's life which I want to have in a fuller way. So Paul adds that he longs for us to have this inner strengthening of the Holy Spirit. And this is not just for a few. This isn't just for the disciples. He's praying for an entire church here. And he's praying for the church that will come after the church. He's praying for us in that sense. This is an inner reinforcement of the Holy Spirit that leads to a deeper sense and experience of the indwelling of Christ in us. This is awesome. The Holy Spirit, in other words, is working to make that possible. We don't have to conjure it all up by ourselves. This is God's working in us. This is not meant to be a temporary experience either, but something that lasts. There are two Greek verbs that could refer to this kind of dwelling that Paul had at his disposal. Commonly, uh, they commonly together talk about making a home. So the first word is uh, parokeo, which literally speaks of inhabiting a place as a stranger, but that's not the one that he used. He used a second term, katakeo which refers to make, taking a permanent rather than a temporary abode. So when builders were building a permanent structure, they would use that second verb. This is the one that Paul uses here in Ephesians. He, God longs to have a permanent dwelling of Christ through the Holy Spirit in each of us that is deep and rich and strong and that can never be taken away from you and that enables Jesus to guide you from the inside and to bring his peace day in and day out through every situation. Friends, I have to tell you, this is one of the great secrets of what Christian life is supposed to be all about. It's not just a cerebral knowledge of facts and terms and, and verses, but an experience of the daily presence and the daily guiding force of Jesus from within you, and he offers it to everybody. Now, I would imagine on a day like this, there are probably some people going to look at me and saying, you're talking about what? This sounds, sounds kind of spooky. But this is wonderful. It means that God loves you so much that he wanted to do eternity with you. And in order to make that happen, he sent Jesus into the world. And not only did he send Jesus into the world so that we would know his presence, but when Christ died for us and took away our sins, he made possible that at the moment that we put our faith in him, we become adopted into the family of God and the Holy Spirit becomes a reality in our lives where God's presence is with us every single day for the rest of our lives. So that no matter what you go through, you never go through it alone. 
No matter how hard the challenges are, you are never alone, that God is always with you. When you need wisdom, when you need guidance, when you need help, when you need a perspective from God, His Spirit is within you, and His Spirit brings Christ into your life. This is profound. This is amazing. And the more we surrender to the leadership of Christ, the more we experience His strength. I believe God wants every one of us to experience this. It was a major request in Paul's prayer for the church. The reason we don't all experience all of the fullness of Christ's indwelling is this. Whatever place Jesus indwells, He also rules. That's my dilemma. I want to rule my life. I want to be the king of my life. I want to reign over my life. And so there's a battle that gets set up. Will I let Jesus reign or will I reign? And I got news for you. He has a better plan than I have for my life. He has a better plan for your life than you have. And he wants to do this in such a way that everything that makes you uniquely you stays in place but he brings out the best of God's plans for you in the midst of that. You do not have to go through Christian life alone, ever. He is with you at all times. So we have the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that draws in the presence of Jesus as well. Now here's a second kind of power that Paul talks about in this prayer. It's the power to love Verse 17 says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. This is a wonderful thing. God doesn't just expect us to love other people. He gives us the power to love. Love is not the only virtue of God, but it's the primary virtue of God. So it is logical that he expects our lives to be deeply marked by love too. Paul uses two images here in this little section, this one line of the prayer. The images are of a well-rooted tree and a house with a firm foundation. A tree with deep roots is continually nurtured and grows. The roots sink down deep and they find water. And the deeper the roots grow, the more sound the tree is. Did you notice how many trees went down in the, in the hurricane uh, what, a month ago, six weeks ago, um, several of the towns around here, there were wires down everywhere. You couldn't go down some roads. And there's still trees that are standing. And if you look at the root systems of many of those trees, even though the tree was quite large, the root system wasn't all that deep. And the tree was able, the, the wind was able to knock over those trees. God wants to have such a deep-rooted system of faith in our lives that it goes down deep and you find a tree that can never be knocked over by the power of the wind. The second image that he uses is a house with a sure foundation. Uh, a house with a sure foundation withstands all storms. Both of these illustrations speak of a life that is marked by stability. Paul's point is that God's love is the soil in which our lives are planted and the foundation on which we build our lives. The secret to experiencing the fullness of God's love is surrendering to the indwelling of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more we surrender to Christ, the more He rules in our lives. And the more that He rules in our lives, we become rooted in love and we naturally love other people. And as we exercise the power of love in our own lives, it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. 
You never have to worry about loving other people too much because God is in the business of resupplying that love. It comes from Him first. It comes from knowing His love for us. And as we, in turn, love other people, He resupplies and resupplies and resupplies. So let's go back to that big idea. The more we surrender to Jesus, the more God gives us the power to live lives that are more than we can ever ask or imagine. We've already seen the first way that it's marked is by the indwelling power of Christ in our lives. The second way is by the power to keep loving in ways we're not worried about uh, out-loving our supply source because God is the one who keeps resupplying. And here's the third kind of power that he talks about in this prayer. It's the power to grasp that may not sound all much, all, like all that much, but let's put it in context here. Verse 18 says that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how high and long, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In verse 18, Paul uses the word power again. This, this time it's a power to grasp. He wants all of God's people to grasp, to take hold of, to hold on to how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That sounds wonderfully poetic. What does it mean? No matter how long you have known Jesus, his love is always deeper still. The more you trust him, the longer you walk with him, the more you experience him, the more you encounter his love. That's what he's saying. That you and I will never ever fathom the depths of the fullness of his love, but we can continually go deeper and deeper and deeper. All right, let me talk to those of some of us who are more white-haired and gray-haired. What does that mean? No matter how old you get and how long your life gets, even if you crack a hundred, you will never exhaust the knowledge of God's love. Think about that. That keeps us going because every day there's greater depth that we can discover about God's love. You're never done. Those of you who are on the younger side of this congregation, you are in for something that is marvelous because whether it takes you 20 years or 40 years or another 80 years, you are never going to exhaust the knowledge of how deep and wide and long and high and powerful God's love is. And you're just at the beginning of this amazing journey. And the more you lean into the experience of Christ, the more you are going to discover how rich his love is. And that's why Paul uses this poetic phrasing to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So Paul prays that we will have power from God to grasp something that is so vast that it's beyond our ability to completely comprehend. Why does his prayer include this thought? Why do we need God's power to grasp this? Well, there are times in life when the love of God pours out into us in a way that is greater than our knowledge. Have you noticed that there are some Christians we meet whose pathway is very cerebral and it's very knowledge-based and they're constantly discovering and they're, they're analyzing and they're evaluating and they have to collect more and more facts and then that jump into faith hopefully becomes a little bit easier the more they collect knowledge. But some become too obsessed with collecting more and more facts and coming to God through a cerebral fashion. But then there are other Christians we meet who are filled with the love of God from the very start but can't explain it, can't defend it, can't teach it to somebody else. They just know they have it and they experience it. 
That's the amazing thing about our God. He approaches us from two different directions. And no matter which way you're wired, you know God probably through your greater orientation, whether that is intellectually based or whether that is love and experience based. But here's the truth. We need to experience the deep love of God and grow in the knowledge of God at the same time. Some start with the pursuit of knowledge. Some experience God's great love first. Now, in verse 19, Paul lets us know that there are times in life when Christ's love for us is so great that it goes beyond our knowledge and beyond our ability to explain. I think this is what happens and what explodes sometimes when we are in the deepest trouble spots that we find ourselves and when we throw ourselves at the mercy of God. Even though our minds can't work around the problems that are before us because they seem so great, His love nonetheless overwhelms us and guides us through those times. Some of you are nodding. You've had those experiences, and you know what that is like. When you are in one of those dark valleys of life, count on this, that His love is more than able to carry you through. Or as good as that is, there's still more. When we experience the indwelling power of Christ, the power to love and the power to grasp the depth of God's love for us in Christ, this leads to something that Paul describes as being filled with the fullness of God. Paul's phrase here is, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The combination of Christ's indwelling, the power to love, and this power to grasp His love, together lead us to experience a greater measure of the fullness of God. So not only are we indwelled by the might of the Holy Spirit, and not only are we indwelled by the presence of the risen Christ, we can also be filled with the fullness of God. There's like a a stair step or a ladder that Paul is describing here that yet awaits us where we can go deeper and deeper into our knowledge and experience of God, which is overwhelming. And it's all based in His love, but it's driven by His power to unveil this for us. This is our more than moment. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power, and we've just looked at three different kinds of power that are described in that prayer, that his power that is within us be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Paul's expressing his awe and amazement, despite the fact that he's, he's an apostle, he's written half of the New Testament, he's expressing his absolute awe of what he's writing here and what God has made possible. And he also says, this is for all of the church through generations and generations to come. In other words, not just for the original Christians, but in our day too. This is our more than moment. What is it that God is able to do more than all we ask or imagine? The promise is for God's power for life. The indwelling power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the power to love other people that comes from God, and the power to grasp His love. In short, the more we surrender to the guiding presence of Jesus in the midst of our lives, the more God gives us the power to live lives that are filled with His power. And as we live in this power, the more we experience the fullness of God flowing through us day by day, this is the more than life. This is it. God is not only able to do this, He's able to do more than we ask or imagine. Now, let's be clear about one thing. This is not a promise where God says that He will give us everything that we want beyond our wildest dreams. 
That's not what it's talking about. That's taking the promise out of context. I've met more than enough people who have said, you know that more than statement in in Ephesians 3.20? Well, I asked him for this and I asked him for that and he didn't do that. What we have to do is bring them back and say, read the paragraph before the statement. Three kinds of power that he's talking about here, which will totally blow your life away and enrich your life. It's a promise of God to supply what we truly need beyond our wildest expectations. It's the promise of God's power to work through us in all situations. It's a promise that equips us to live as new creatures and to live this new life in Christ. More than. The more we surrender to Jesus, the more God gives us the power to live lives that are more than anything we can ask or imagine. All right, will you say that with me one more time? More than. He's given you everything you need in the Holy Spirit and in Christ and in God's own presence with us to live a more than life wrapped up in the power and experience of God's love in Christ. He wants this for all of us. Ask Him for it. Surrender to the presence of Jesus in your life. The more you do, the more you'll experience His power. Let's pray. Lord God, we start this new year together as friends, as a family of faith, and we ask that you will very simply do one thing in our lives. Give us the more than life in greater and greater degrees as we trust in you. Here's the person who may be very new to this and very unsure about the step that he or she is taking, who may be whispering right now, okay, God, I've never taken this step before, but I will surrender leadership to you. I know how my plans work out. Not always so good. I want to surrender to your plans in my life. This year, you take the lead. Show me how you can supply more than all I could ask or imagine in terms of your power to live the life you wanted me to live. Lord, here are those of us who are renewing this promise, saying, Lord, thank you for this reminder on this first Sunday of the year. Allow me this year to live a more than life, more than last year brought, more than I could hope for in terms of the guidance and presence of your Spirit and of Jesus himself in my life. Allow this to be a year that is more than all I could have hoped for. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you have one prayer for me in this year, it would be this, that this would be a more than year, and that's my prayer for you too.